Hello, it's a time to make a new podcast, and I'm wearing the color green, and I'm feeling abnormally well. I started off the night not in a very good mood because my uh, landlord is getting sued and evicted uh, tomorrow, so I had to spend three hours packing all my shit into, uh, and then I got a storage unit across the street from the house. And, you know, but I'm actually, um, I'm grateful because I learned a valuable lesson. And the lesson is sometimes you have to spend more money um, to get in the right uh, bandwidth, if you will. And allow me to expand on that and elaborate. I was testing out I was testing out a couple of different strategies. So the strategy was I live in Houston, Texas, and the strategy was let me shave off all of my expenses to near nothing while I start my own business so that I won't be burdened by um, you know, overhead So so the strategy was like, you know, and, and several people say this you know, either you're going to keep your job and fund your business with your job money, so you should try to lower your expenses as much as possible, rent, car payment, whatever, or you need to seek funding, right? There's only two strategies, dude. You're either going to use your own cash to fund or you're going to raise capital to fund, right? Where else is the money going to come from? We're going to sell assets that you own, but that's really also just self-funding, So, or you're going to get personal debt, that's the same thing as self-funding, right? So, what's the strategy? Anyways, I was able to find, and I, pri- I prided myself on this, I was able to secure probably the best fucking deal in the city um, on rent, and I was able to find a couple places. First, it was the master bedroom of a condo. Uh, outside of the med center in Houston. So the thing about Houston is Houston is very territorially specific. Like everything that you want to be close to in Houston is pretty much within 10 square miles. Like all of the money is in a tight-knit cluster. As you go farther and farther away from the nucleus, you basically just see towns, suburban towns, on uh, every single side of the city, like literally almost like in a perfect clock. So every number on the clock is a different town that surrounds Houston. I guess Chicago might be similar. I don't think L.A. is is like that at all. And I definitely don't think New York is like that. But Chicago might be kind of like that. But anyway, so I was living at about one o'clock on the clock in Houston in a town called Umble. And I was able to secure uh, the largest amount of space in this guy's house um, for like $500 a month, all bills included. And, you know, it's a relatively quiet, safe, just suburbs, you know. Kind of, kind of like very middle-class suburbs, but, you know, two-story houses, probably like 2,500 square foot, you know, nothing special, but, you know, just kind of that cookie cutter development 
But, you know, it looks nice. I mean, you certainly would have to have decent credit to get a house like that. And the, the mortgage, or I mean, the rent or the mortgage would probably be, I don't know, like seventeen to 1800 a month for a five-bedroom house with a big loft game room, right? Two-car two garage. Just, you know, your basic basic two-story house, you know. Um, now, we didn't know that the landlord was getting sued by his HOA uh, and evicted because the HOA rules said you could not sublet rooms. So he violated the HOA term. HOAs can be a bitch. HOAs can be a real pain in the ass. But anyways, he got sued for it, and uh, everyone's getting evicted as of tomorrow. So, but here's the lesson that I learned. Um, you got to pay to play, you know. When I have very, very low pressure in terms of, like, it's not hard to pay my bills at all, to the point of, like, I don't even really have to work very much, and I still have more than enough pay all my expenses. That strategy doesn't really work too well for me. Um, I, you know, I've tried that strategy out for about a year, and the general idea is that, like, I'll have so much cushion and space that I'll be able to really stack up and save a lot of the extra money. But the pitfall is that's assuming that you're staying in a high motivation, you know, momentum and bandwidth and assuming that you're really maximizing your results. And the thing is, is when you're in a very kind of average, middle-class income neighborhood, and you have roommates who are not that motivated, I mean, obviously everyone's got enough to pay for their rent, but the problem is when you become the most successful person in the house, and by house I'm putting, like, uh, quotation marks around it, it could be your house, it could be your office, it could be your neighborhood, it could be your friend circle, it could be, like, literally any any part of a cultural, you know, social group. But, yeah, you know, the reason why you, you don't want to be the richest person in the room, you don't want to be the most successful guy in the room, is it kind of feels like everyone is draining you of your enthusiasm and your success mindset. And I'm telling you, I spent a lot of fucking time cultivating this mindset, okay? Almost to the point of, like, the mindset now is a currency. And I'm figuring out the exact conversions of monetization in terms of success mindset, discipline, energy, relentless focus, grind, cultivating, staying in that supercharged bandwidth of excellence, habits of excellence. Now, how much... So, like... Yeah, I might be saving an extra 500 to 1000 on rent, you know, but how much is that 1000 costing me in terms of uh, degrading my own momentum? How much is my momentum worth, right? And what is that, what is the uh, basically um, differential, what's the net? loss of momentum for the extra 1000 to 1500 
you know, let's just say $700 extra. If I'm paying 500 if I have to pay 1200 to rent a room in a house, I will probably be able to get a, into a really fucking nice house for $1,200 in Houston just for a room. May or may not have a bathroom, private bathroom. And renting a room is the most strategic way to get access to a specific neighborhood. You can get a one-bedroom, you can rent, you can be the landlord, and you can find roommates, and you can sublet, and this and that. And yet, you know, sure. But the fastest and easiest and most strategic way to maximize a monthly rent is to put it all into one room, and you can leverage the neighborhood. The nicer the neighborhood, the nicer the house, the more it's going to be. So I was playing that game on the low end, you know. Maybe it's my Chinese mother upbringing. Maybe it's just a false belief system of the middle class that, oh, well, if you have very low bills, then you'll be able to save so much more money. That's actually kind of false when your income is incremental based on your effort, a.k.a. you're self-employed, and you make commissions or you make money in sales. Actually, lower income areas were costing me a lot of momentum to the point of I'm so sick of it to the point of, like, I don't even want to go back to this house. It feels like hell. I'm being a little bit dramatic. I'm exaggerating, but it's like, you know, there's a lot of single women who have partners, and they're both sharing a room, and the house gets really cramped that way, and it's just a lot of people who are trying to save money, but the women aren't working, they're unemployed, they're single, they're moms, they're not single moms. The guy might have a job, but you basically have all these moms just hanging out at home, not working, and it just makes me feel like my energy is getting siphoned to the point of I'm sick of it, right? The interim goal is to get a Skyrise apartment in uh, downtown you know, Skyrise apartment complex called Sky House or something of that caliber. And that caliber is there's a valet lane and there's nice amenities and it's a young professional. Average income of each renter probably like eighty to 150000 right? Average, right? I don't know. I don't know what the exact number is. Maybe a hundred thousand, maybe ninety three thousand, maybe more, maybe less, I don't know. But it's a young professional, kind of modern, you know, single one bedroom starting at sixteen hundred a month. So sixteen hundred a month for a one bedroom, yeah, a little bit expensive. I mean cheaper than New York, cheaper than Chicago, cheaper than LA or Silicon Valley or San Diego, but way more expensive than San Antonio or Cleveland or Scottsdale. I don't know. I don't know too much about Phoenix, probably, you know, I don't know. So, look, 1500 to 1800 for a one-bedroom. You're getting kind of like primo. The nicest apartment complexes in San Antonio for a one-bedroom was like 2000 It's called the Elan, and they have a few other newer ones. But in San Antonio, 2000 gets you basically best in class. In Houston, uh, probably going to be more like twenty two to 2400 Not that much more. 
So what's that, 10%, 20% more? I'd say Houston is probably about 15% more expensive than San Antonio. I've said that several times. Houston is probably 15% more expensive than most Midwest or, you know, just suburban-type cities. Yeah, about 15 to 20% more. Not that much more. Cost of living is still pretty low here to have access to such a strong economy. The strongest economy in Texas is in Houston, and uh, certainly a lot of money here. Um, there are some hella mansions here in Houston. Dallas has a lot of money, too. A lot of billionaires in Dallas. Okay, not throwing shade on Dallas. Dallas and Houston. But, anyways, so, it's been a learning experience. I realized that you got to pay to play. So, I'm actually willing to double my rent allowance. And I'm spending like 500 525 a month. Live in this house, 25 miles north of downtown. Too far for me, too far. You know, I didn't mind trying it out. I was there for about four months. I think the eviction is a blessing in disguise. I don't want to be there anymore. There used to be professionals that lived in the house, like uh, registered nurses and, you know, uh, traveling nurses, so, you know, professional, middle class, but there's also some people who are on Social Security, disability, unemployed, so, you know, you got to pay to play, basically. How much is the incremental extra 500 to to 1000 How much of an investment would that be on your personal momentum, right? Not to mention... If you're living in a house of professionals, everyone's making more than 100000 a year, it's going to pull you up to a higher bandwidth of motivation. So, anyway, the reason why I'm not in a nice apartment or house already is because I took a pay cut to start my own business a year ago called the Lux Exchange, and you'll see it on Forbes. So, you know... Hence why I cut all my expenses down so I can start a business from scratch, from limited uh, funding. So, anyways, now I'm selling insurance to fund my, to basically put steroids into my business. About 5000 to 10000 a month will definitely turbocharge the growth rate of my online business. It will enable me to rent the headquarters, the office, a few key employees and then outsource my uh, data entry to the Philippines. I got the system down. We just got to have some more money, right? We need about 5000 more every month. Eventually, the business will fund itself. I will no longer have to inject my personal money into it. But if we want to go international, if we want to duplicate in every single city in the country, in the world, it's going to take some more cash. So that is going to be the higher level challenge of like how quickly should I expand and how much personally should I invest how much should I raise capital should I raise funding I don't know I don't know yet I don't really want to I want to monopolize this I want to have 100% ownership I don't because I think that I am the only one who can do this the way that it needs to be done is that a fallacy is that a flawed way to think or is that the smartest way to maximize your future profit. Bill Gates did. 
Bill Gates said, fuck that, I'm keeping Microsoft. IBM wanted to buy out Microsoft. And he would have made a few million, but now he made a few billions, right? So his decision to control his own company led him to become a mega billionaire and then strategic investing. Strategic investing with his BFF Warren Buffett allowed him to take, you know, stay the richest man in the world. He would still be the wealthiest man in the world had he not donated more than like half the money. He would be richer than Bezos still. So the only reason why Bezos is number one is Bill's giving away his money. Jeff Bezos is not giving away any of his money. So anyways, and I'll pass them all up as the world's first trillionaire. Uh, my net worth will be higher than the next 10 billionaires combined in the world, and uh, that's what it is, and that's what it will be. The Lord put the thought into my mind at the age of 25. I don't know why. I don't know why I started saying I'm the world's first trillionaire, but I did, and I continued to do so, and the more and more I say it, the ideas come into my mind. So, the next big... I think I could probably make $100 billion off of this business. And I'm going to tell you on my podcast, number one, I don't think anyone's listening. And number two, uh, go ahead and try. Go ahead and try to stop me. People cannot handle the sheer capacity of the effort it requires to build a business like this. You can have the idea. How many genius ideas do we have daily? And what's the thing? Nobody takes action, right? Nobody takes action. It's going to go to the one who takes the most action. And don't you think Silicon Valley tech companies are trying to make the next Facebook? Don't you think they've been trying for years and no one's done it? Why? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're just not genius enough or maybe like Facebook is a behemoth and if you try to compete with them, they'll slaughter you from the gate. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know the answer. Why hasn't someone come along and toppled Facebook yet? You would think, you would think that it could be done. Maybe they've done such an incredible job, though, that easier said than done. So, maybe. But, anyways, that business will be called Social Rank. And um, it's be a social media platform based on rank. It's, it's what Facebook originally was. It was a ranking system of, like, girls and college people. Are they hot or not? What is their attractive scale rank? That's what Facebook was. And then they lost all of their originality when they became, you know, every college. And then it became, like, high school and college. And then it became everyone. And, uh, you know, so it's diluted to feed the masses. But what, is, what was the essence? The essence is we all compare ourselves socially. So let's create a ranking system for every possible genre of ranking in society. And that can be with your workplace. And that can be with employers, and the best part is anonymous people will be able to create the profiles of the ones they're ranking, right? So the an anonymity is going to allow employees to rank their employers and people in the office. So you can't stop it. You can't stop your profile from being created because the ones that create the profile are the ones that are ranking, right? So it's anonymous. That's the beauty of it. But everybody's going to want to know, what's my rank? What's my rank? And you'll have rankings on everything. You know, most attractive, most popular person at this gym, at this literal physical location, right? 
uh, you'll be ranked on everything, you know, popularity, income, projected income, all the little gossipy details that we wish we had on everyone inside. You're going to rank them. And uh, it's just an idea, just a hunch. Is it going to happen? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe people have already tried and failed. Maybe I just think I'm a brilliant person and maybe this is a terrible idea. I don't know, but I think if in its full glory, it could be a hundred million, hundred billion dollar company, right? Or a trillion dollar company. These are some of the ideas that I have. Okay, I have exited for uh, 1960, so I'm going to spend the last night in this fucking house. I call it slum number two, because it's a second slum. And uh, I'm going to call them the slums forever. I'm going to live in the nicest neighborhoods in the world. I'm going to call my mansion the slum, because you know what? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we would place so much emphasis and value on the attractiveness and size and, and cost of a building to live in. You just need a fucking bed with the roof. Why are we so shallow and materialistic? It's got to be 20,000 square feet. It's got to be a compound. A house is not enough. An estate is not enough. In Britain, they call it a manor, and that's not good enough. I got bad manners, bitch. Okay, we need a compound, 30,000, 40,000. You're living in a fucking, like, mall, right? Why the hell would you need 50,000 square feet? Dude, that's crazy. I need to live in a castle. That's how small my ego is, right? I got to compensate, right? I don't need a lifted truck. I just need a 50,000 square foot motherfucking castle in Houston. I want to be the king of Houston. Crown me the king. There are a few billionaires here in Houston. One of them, his name is, like, something Tillman. I didn't realize he owned most of the luxury uh, hotels. Uh, it's probably not most of the luxury. I think it's just one. Called Post Oak Hotel. I didn't know he owned that entire uh, center, shopping center. It's, like, four really bougie restaurants and probably the nicest. <laughs> oh, my God. Probably the nicest hotel in Houston called the Post Oak Hotel. Very fancy. That's where all the rich uh, hookers go to pick up clientele. A lot of prostitution in Houston. I'm, I'm sharing all the dirty little secrets. I love Houston. I like Houston a lot. I've grown very fond of the city, so much so that I may never fully leave. I will go to the East Coast. I will go to the West Coast. But I may always come back to Houston. I don't know. Maybe I have a special connection with the city. Maybe it gives me a certain focus, a certain edge. I don't know. You get distracted in California. You get distracted in New York and Boston, right? You get, like, what are you going to do out there? What are you going to do out there? I don't know. Texas has always been home. Am I still recording? Yeah. 23 minutes. Okay. Well, that's about how long it takes to drive to Humble from downtown Houston, which is why I have to leave. And... Humble, it's been nice, it's been friendly, you guys are doing well, you're developing, you got the Golden Corral, you got the Half Price Books, you got the Brewings, you know, you got Sam's Club and Walmart and uh, two movie theaters all on one street, 1960, you got everything you need, you got a Walmart 
right next to a Kroger, what does that mean? They're obviously buying a lot of groceries, right? You got Academy and Burlington and Cheddar's and all the little retail chains. And there's a Mattress One and Xfinity. Anyways, Humble, it's been fun. I don't think I will ever return. I, I have an appreciation for you, but I don't love you. I don't love you. I appreciate you. I just, we're not in love. You understand? I just, my eyes are on another woman, and uh, she's a very expensive uh, piece of ass. And I must go back to Houston. So, so long. It's been fun. You know, it hasn't been that fun, but it's been tolerable. And uh, any motivated people here in Humble, I have to tell you, man, you got to pay to play. All right? If you want to have an average family, an average neighborhood, an average town, Humble might be perfect for you. If you desire super success and you desire all of the fancy things in life and flair, I want flair. Well, we will have to head about 25 miles south into the homeland, and I belong there, and I love the neighborhood's memorial village. I was at a $20 million house earlier, not inside, just driving by it, but goddamn, these are big houses, right? So much money there, fucking compounds, and uh, I like West University to Bel Air, from downtown to Post Oak which is the Galleria, but it has to be on the east side. The west side is ghetto, so I don't really like to use the word Galleria. I rather use the word post oak. I don't like the heights that much. The heights, to me, is not quite there yet. It's, it's sleepy. I don't know. The low energy in the heights. It's like the lower energy of the upper middle class. I don't know. In my opinion, the heights not for me. Um, Midtown... To Montrose. Montrose is not for me either. The road, I just can't stand those fucking roads. They're jacked. And it's a little bit ghetto. Well, 20 years ago, it used to be hookers and, and uh, crackheads. So, God bless gentrification. Um, Midtown. I fucks with Midtown. Downtown to Midtown. Post Oak to Upper Kirby. River Oaks to Memorial. Hunter's Creek to Piney Point. Is it called Piney Point or Piney Brook? I don't know. I think it's Piney Point. To Bunker Hill, to uh, Bel Air, to Westview. That's where all of the money is in Houston, like six neighborhoods. There's like some in um, Sugarland and the Woodlands and Katy, but that's like going out to another fucking planet. You know what I mean? That's not too far away, in my opinion. Sugarland is, you know, I don't know, kind of nice, but it's like the nice, the nicest town on the clock. Sugarland is like eight o'clock on the clock, and Humble is like one o'clock. And they're, I like to be where the, God, I got allergies. I like to be where the action is, so, fare thee well, Humble. Did you teach me to be humble? Perhaps. But ambition calls, and we must 
raise the bar. So long, farewell, until we meet again, which I hope is never. Goodbye.